Hello and welcome to the How BJJ Works podcast, the podcast where we do a deep dive and explore a concept or topic that was covered in the weekly blog post on the website. My name is Justin and I am your host. I'm a three-stripe purple belt who's been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about seven years. This podcast is mostly targeted at newcomers to BJJ or those who are curious about the sport and would like to learn more before taking the plunge. That being said, all are welcome. And if you've been training for a while but just like to listen to people talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, please take a seat and stay a while. Today's episode is going to be on the 15 questions to ask before signing up for a BJJ gym. This episode is going to cover questions 6 through 10. The questions are, number 6, are specific uniforms required? Number 7, do students and instructors compete? Number 8, is cross-training allowed? Number 9, what is their schedule? And number 10, how difficult is the commute? So if these questions are applicable to you, uh, jump ahead to the right question or move on to the next episode if uh, you've already got these things figured out. So starting with number six, are specific uniforms required? Now I, I get the feeling that uh, I'm going to get some people, maybe quite a few people, who disagree with me on this uh, this point. So for newcomers to BJJ, essentially what you're going to encounter is there's going to be some gyms that say you have to buy and wear our gi. The gi is the uniform. It's the kind of the, the pajamas. And if you still don't know what I'm talking about, this is the traditional judo uniform that you've probably seen. So my somewhat, perhaps, controversial opinion on this is that you should not start at a gym where you are required to purchase the gym-specific uniform. And before I talk about the reasons why, the first thing I would like to say is that there are a number of really high-quality, top-notch, good gyms out there that that do require you to do this. But this gets back to the idea that my personal opinion is that you should be able to try different types of gyms without, as you probably remember from the previous episode, signing a long-term contract. And the gyms that require you to purchase their specific uniform, it feels too much like they're trying to trap you at their gym. Whether or not that's their intention, it may be in some cases, it may not be in others, it's a very old school way of approaching the sport. And if you're a newcomer to the sport and you're just looking to find a place uh, to kind of fit in and call your home and get a feel for the people and get a feel for whether you even want to do this sport, my personal take on it is you should start at a gym that is a bit more relaxed and they're going to not have these really stringent rules where like you have to buy a uniform, you have to sign a long-term contract I think that makes sense maybe for people who, uh, after a few years of going to a gym, decide that they want to find some place that can kind of take them to that next level. But for the people who are just looking to dip their toes in the water, I think this can be very off-putting. And especially if they end up deciding that the sport isn't for them or the gym culture or people aren't for them, then they've just wasted their money and their time and they're going to feel burned by the whole situation. And I don't want you to feel that way if you're looking at the sport and seeing if this is something that you might be interested. I don't want you to get burned. I want the sport of jiu-jitsu to grow and to prosper, and I don't want you to walk away from it with a bad uh, negative reaction. So the bottom line is, are gyms that force you to wear their specific brand of uniform, and only their brand, 
and to purchase that uniform. Are those gyms bad? No, not at all. Not necessarily. Some of them may be, may or not be. They should be judged on their individual merit. But as a new person, is that the gym that you should start at? My vote would be no. Okay, moving on to number seven. Do students and instructors compete? This is a bit of an important one because it shows that the people at the gym are A, confident in their abilities, and B, are willing to put their ego on the line and test themselves in a public place against other people, and C, just willing to put up with the grueling process that it takes to train and prepare for the competition and all the nerves that accompany it on the day of. And even if the instructors are no longer competing, if they used to compete, that's also a good sign, right? You don't always have to keep competing and keep trying to prove yourself. At some point, you've kind of went through the process of enough times to where you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm ready to kind of move on and just focus on developing my game. You know, I've, I've kind of put my time in, I've done my thing. And even if it, winning and losing isn't even really the point here, that's not even the point of what I'm trying to make. You don't have to go to a gym where it's this all-star person who won a bunch of competitions. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just the fact that people are willing to compete, that is a, a huge indication that they are looking to make themselves better, that they're looking to to try to test themselves against other people. And this is one of the fundamental aspects of jujitsu, right? This idea of testing against a resisting opponent. And competition is kind of the ultimate testing of that in a controlled environment, right? I mean, we're not talking about starting a street fight just to prove that you can do this. That's not really the point. And I don't even know if, you know, there's there's a lot of different factors that would involve in that. If somebody has a weapon, I mean, obviously you're not going to want to engage with somebody who has a weapon, right? That's not what I'm saying. The point is you're testing yourself against somebody in a controlled environment, right? So you have drilling, you have sparring, and then the next level above that would be competing because now there's nerves, there's something on the line, you have to you know, make weight, all these different things have to come into play. You might be going against different games that you haven't seen before, right? So that's another important element of, of the competition is that you're going against people that you're not training with every day. How well does your game match up against the guy you roll with every day? Maybe you get the best of him every time. How well does your game match up with a guy that you've never met before? You have no idea what he's going to do. Right? This is where a lot of these importance comes into play, is that it's a very unpredictable situation in terms of how you're going to perform. Additionally, let's say the instructors no longer compete, but the students, some students still compete. Look for if the instructors uh, go to the matches and coach them there. A lot of good instructors will do that. They don't get paid to do that. They don't get paid to show up, but they love the sport, they love the gym, they love being a part of the community, and they love supporting their students. And a lot of these instructors that are good like that, they will show up to the match, they'll be on the sidelines, they'll be helping the, the student warm up, you know, they'll be bringing them water during in between his matches, they'll be coaching from the sidelines during the matches, you know, providing feedback after of kind of what they could have done better, or the different people, the different things they're seeing there uh, of the competitors. And it actually, it blows my mind. This is one of those crazy sports where you can actually get your coach to show up. I mean, this isn't high school wrestling, right? Like, you know, those people are actually getting paid to, to be there, to show up, you know, practice in the meets and stuff. Sure, you're paying your gym dues, but it's crazy that 
a lot of these coaches are actually willing to show up like outside of, of essentially how, you know, when they're getting paid and, and essentially dedicate their time to you for free to be there for you, to coach you. It's, it's a pretty special situation and it's not something you should take for granted. So do know that there are many coaches out there who have competed, even if they no longer compete and will still show up to the competition, even if they're not competing and their students are and coach you from the sidelines. So I would suggest looking for a gym that falls under one of those situations. And those are probably going to be a much higher quality caliber of instructors than coaches who, who have never competed or don't show up on competition day for their students. And I should mention that last episode we talked about how much money the gym will cost. And we talked about the difference of the different levels, kind of the the cheap end and then the middle end and then the high end. Keep in mind that the level of instructor I'm talking about will probably not be affected by the price. Like this is not something that is necessarily included in the pricing structure, right? These, these coaches that I'm talking about, these good coaches who have competed or do compete and show up for their students and competition day and help them get ready and prepare. These coaches are often found even on that kind of lower and middle end. So your takeaway here is find a gym that has an instructor or instructors who either have competed or do compete and are willing to show up for their students uh, on competition day because there are quite a few of them out there. Question number eight is, is cross training allowed? So this can mean a couple different things. People might talk about cross training in regards to strength and conditioning and cardio and that kind of thing. It can also refer to cross training different sports. For example, if you cross train judo and wrestling, it may also refer to cross training at other gyms. So keep in mind those three categories and the context of the question. If, if you are asking someone at, at the gym and you're just gathering information, or if you've been training there a while and you just want to clarify, make sure you're clarifying kind of what cross training you're specifically saying. Like, Hey, do you guys allow cross training at other gyms? You know, I would imagine if you're talking about what they allow and don't allow, you're probably not going to need to clarify, do you allow cross-training cardio or something like that, right? It's probably not going to be an important thing. But it is, uh, you may need to clarify, do you allow cross-training in judo or something? Because there are going to be some gyms that discourage or don't allow cross-training at other gyms. And much like the... You're probably seeing a theme here, much like my recommendation on not going to a gym that requires specific uniforms or not going to a gym that requires long-term contracts. I would also recommend not going to a gym that does not allow or discourages cross-training at other gyms. And again, this just gets down to, you know, what's the purpose? Why would they do that? Is it to restrict you, you know, restrict your progress, keep you kind of trapped in this situation? They don't want you seeing what else is available? Is that what's going on? I mean, it could be that they're trying to prevent their specific techniques and their specific type of instruction or curriculum from leaving the gym. And I can actually understand that a bit more, right? You don't want another gym to kind of copy what you do, especially if what you do is really good. You do it at a high level. I can totally understand that. But to straight up tell your students you're not allowed to train at other gyms, I disagree with this. And for one thing, if you're going to be competing, 
you're going to need to roll with a variety of different people and against different games. You also probably remember me from talking about this last episode and making sure you find a gym with a lot of variety, right? Um, if you're going to competing especially, that's going to be super important. You don't want to show up to competition day only having rolled against the same people for the last couple of years, and you're like, oh, I'm so good. I've got this awesome game. It works really well. I crush all of my training partners, and then you show up to competition, and you can't do anything. It's probably going to be something to do with the fact that you were not exposed to enough different types of games. And so for a few different reasons, I would highly suggest you find a gym that allows cross-training specifically cross-training at other gyms, even if it's just open mats. I'm not saying that you have to necessarily be members at other gyms, and some gyms are going to have different opinions about that as well. And I did mention that when you're first trying, I did mention in my last episode, that if you're going to a number of different gyms, say on a punch card or something, that the downside of that is they're probably not going to want to spend a lot of time on you and help you personally develop your game, right? Because you're not really their student and they probably know that. You know, so that's understandable that they may kind of be a little iffy on on you going to a lot of different gyms as kind of a regular member at all those gyms. That's understandable. But if you are a student at that gym, you know, I, I would expect them to allow you to be able to go to open mats at least at the other gyms in the area. Number nine is what is their schedule? This is going to be a very important element for you in the amount that you're going to be able to train. You should definitely find a gym with a schedule that allows you to train as much as possible. That may be a different definition for each individual. Uh, some people are going to only be able to train a couple days a week. Other people are going to train every day. Some people are going to train two times a day. So know what you are looking for and what is going to work for you. If you are looking for lots of different classes, then you're probably going to want to find a gym that's open in the morning, afternoon, and evening. Other gyms are just going to be open in the evening or maybe only a few days a week. Depends on how big they are, how many instructors they have, where it's located. If it's in a more rural area, I would imagine you're going to only have weekend or evening classes a few days a week. If you're in the city, I would definitely expect you to be able to find multiple gyms that are open throughout the entire day, seven days a week, and offer a ton of classes. And you can probably even find gyms, you know, especially in that MMA category, they're going to have wrestling, they're going to have competition, they're going to have boxing and Muay Thai, MMA classes, jiu-jitsu classes, etc. And they're going to offer those classes all throughout the day. So finding the one that is going to work for what you're looking for. So if you're just approaching this as kind of a new hobbyist and you're not really sure if this is for you, I would find something maybe after work that you can go to. The other thing to keep in mind is if you have kids or a spouse, you know how that's going to affect your personal relationships, making sure that you can have somebody who can cover watching your children for multiple hours in the evening. It can be difficult to balance these things. And you see a lot of <laughs> you see a lot of people who end up getting married or having kids uh, kind of drop away from jujitsu as time moves on, or they experience it in a more limited basis, or they are still super addicted and they just bring their kids to class, <laughs> or make sure that they absolutely you know make it a high priority to find somebody who can cover the children. Um, in my personal situation, I was very lucky. My wife 
before we got married, you know, from day one knew that this was an important thing for me. And so it's always been a staple in my life. I'm only training a few days a week at this point, and I wish I could train more. I'm looking for opportunities to increase those days. Um, you know, it, get, it gets hard though. You know, you've got your job, you've got your side hustle, you've got friends and family. You still maybe want a little alone time for yourself. You still, it, yeah, I should mention, you know, you've got your wife that you might want to hang out with occasionally. You know, it can get a little difficult to balance all those things. But you can make it work. And especially if it's something that you want to work, you can make it work, right? There's always a way to make it work. It may not be easy, but if you do end up getting super addicted to the sport, then you'll find a way. The other thing to consider here is where it's at in relationship to your job um, and your house and all those things. So, for example, I work on one side of the city and I live on the opposite side of the city. So I actually had to switch gyms uh, about eight months ago. Um, it was very tough. I'd been going to that gym for many, many years and, uh, and I didn't want to switch gyms. But it just kind of ended up being a situation where that gym was kind of towards the south of the city and my house was about uh, 30 to 45 minutes to the northeast. My work was like an hour to the northwest and there was this weird triangle situation that was happening and I just couldn't make it from work to the gym, especially during rush hour, uh, in time. And then even if I did, it just ended up being a very crazy day. I always ended up showing up late. It was a stressful situation, and it got to the point where it's like, okay, I think I just need to, to find a different way to make this work. Because the bottom line is, if you can't train, you know, there's no point in going to a gym. Even if you consider it your home gym, there's no point in it being your home if you can never go. <laughs> so you kind of have to make make it work sometimes. And I ended up finding another gym um, with some people that I had already kind of known. And they had two locations, one on one side of the city next to my work, and another location on another side of the city next to my home. So it ended up working out really well. And sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to find something that you can make work for yourself. And that actually uh, directly ties into item number 10, which is how difficult is the commute. So I kind of just already talked about that. <laughs> I was uh, not looking at my notes and kind of went on a bit of a rant there. Um, and sort of just tied in number nine and ten. What is the schedule and how difficult is the commute? So I guess the biggest thing is you know find something that is is close to you. Um, I would highly recommend within that twenty-ish minute drive. When you first start training, it's you're probably going to be willing to drive farther, uh, regardless of how inconvenient it is. Um, the more you train the more that's going to taper off, right? I mean, e even if you stay really consistent through your entire life, but as a hobbyist, it's just, it's just you're just going to end up prioritizing other things at some point, right? Life is going to kind of eat into that. Jiu-Jitsu probably won't be the focal point of your life as a hobbyist, and at some point you're probably going to get married or have kids or you're going to get a new job. Life is going to happen and you're going to have to adapt, and it makes it so much easier to continue training if you can have the gym be pretty close by that you can easily commute to. It'll make a huge difference after a few years. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, actually pretty happy and pretty lucky that I was able to continue going to that first gym 
for like over six years, I think it ended up being. And it was a bit of a bummer when I had to uh, switch gyms, but man, did I really hold out and make it, <laughs> you know, it was actually pretty painful for the months leading up to that as I was really trying to make it work. But once it got to the point where my home moved, you know, we moved houses and then my work moved and it's just all those things combined. Oh, and I got married. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just all kind of got, got to a point where I realized I was going to need to make a change. So, you know, even if you do find, that is to say, even if you do find a gym that is close by, also understand that things may change and you may have to find another gym that uh, is a bit closer after after you. But I know for me personally, training jujitsu is one of the things that keeps me really sane. And so the priority should always be to get as much training as you can, especially when you're a newcomer and you're first starting. It's going to be really important to build that strong foundation I think that you can get away with training a bit less as you uh, have been doing it for, you know, that five-ish years, once you're in upper blue or early purple. My personal thoughts on it is I think you can you can learn how to make more impact, you know, with, with less uh, days, with less training days. You can get in more hours. You can stay longer. You can stay after class, get in a bunch of roles. You can be working on stuff at home. You kind of have a better idea of what you need to be working towards, what you need to be working on. So even if you're in a situation that isn't ideal, where you can't get in there that often, and it is a far commute, and you're just not able to switch gyms for whatever reason, or if there aren't any other options, you know, you can still make it work. But I would say ideally as a newcomer, find something that's close by. This concludes our podcast, but I appreciate you sticking around for the whole episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and please leave a review or send me a message to let me know what you thought. In order to make ends meet, I do sell ad space on the website. I also promote affiliate links to products that I think are worth endorsing and accept donations through Patreon. If you ever want to contribute, your support is greatly appreciated, but don't feel pressured to give anything that you can't afford to anyone ever. Until next time, tap early, train often, and most importantly, have fun.